Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO, Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell. And we continue to bring you this podcast twice every week on issues affecting guys before, during, and after divorce. And today we're going to talk about social media, one of my favorite topics, obviously, and it affects guys throughout divorce and there's all kinds of ramifications about it. But as always, keep in mind, this is more educational and informational. It is not uh, legal advice. So don't take it as such. We'd love to have you come in for a consult. You can do that by going to the website, cordellcordell.com or giving us a call at 866-DADS-LAW. Again, subscribe to this podcast. You want to be notified when it's dropped twice every week and then our virtual town hall every month where you can log in live. It's free. All you got to do is register, join in. You can ask questions live or you can just listen and observe or whatever you want to do, but always great information during those virtual town halls. More information on the website, Cordell Cordell. Com. All right, I'm joined by repeat guest Ashley. Welcome again. Hi, Scott. How are you? Good. Thanks. So let's talk about social media. You know, I um, I have talked about it before um, many years ago. I was on Dr. Phil and talked about social media, and it's um, this is back when MySpace was still around. Believe it or not, for those of you that know what that is, and we were talking about social media because it was just coming into play when it was related to family law. So maybe that's the place we start is for many guys listening, you know, who cares? Why does it apply to family law? Um, why is it something that's important to talk about regarding divorce, modification, any action in family law? Right. So, I mean, as essentially, we can't keep up with social media. Um, I think that's you saying MySpace is a great point. MySpace doesn't exist anymore, and it wasn't that long ago. So I think that's the first thing is people are using apps and not really knowing the ramifications. Um, and there's many of them, but specific to family law, um, you know, what I'm seeing more and more are people giving me posts from Facebook, good or bad. Um, you know, and I think Facebook is probably the most common, but I just, before I got on with you today, Scott, I looked because I know there's apps that pop up that I have no idea, you know, being in my mid thirties, I'm not one of the cool kids. I don't know those apps. Um, and looked and found other apps that I've never heard of that, you know, kids are using that delete messages or, you know, um, the big ones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok are kind of the big four right now. And I think they have really big effects on fault versus no fault divorces, which of course is state specific, um, income for support. I know you and I talked a couple months ago about using social media to determine income for some of these multi-level marketing companies, Mm -hmm. um, PFAs, you know, protect protective orders. You can use them to try to show support for or against them. So people are on, Fortunately, unfortunately, using them as an extension of themselves and putting their everyday life, you know, their soapboxes. And because of that, I don't think there's an area of family law that it doesn't affect. Yeah. I mean, it's so true in that, you know, I was another case we were talking about uh, where the client was a maintenance alimony spousal support candidate. Uh, And the allegation was, look, they don't have enough money. The accounts were drained. The credit cards were cut off. And yet this client decided to post on social media a vacation on the beaches in Florida. You know, it may have been paid for, it may have been free, but it just gives the wrong appearance about someone who says, hey, I have no money and I need something. It's, it's look, it's like email. Um, my father always used to email in all capitals. And it drove me crazy because I didn't know if he was yelling at me or if it was just this, this is what he liked, right? And so 
emails are often misinterpreted just like social media and a post can be twisted. That was my uh, time on Dr. Phil was they showed me slides. They didn't give it to me in advance. They said, we're going to show you some photos. Just tell us what, what you would do with it. And during that segment, uh, I was like, okay, I can take that and show that this person's an alcoholic and there's a child in the background. There's empty beer bottles and vodka. It may have been innocent. It may not have been theirs. But the point is, is that it's always mistaken for perhaps, you know, what's not the truth. So there's this case uh, out there, uh, Jason Collier. Tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about that case. Yeah, so I'm, as you know, from talking to you before, I really am into kind of the pop culture that and how it affects family law. And this case just landed on my doorstep a few months ago. It is a, um, a chief of police in a small Texas town, and I'm not going to go into too many details. You know, listeners can Google it all they want. But it came out that he was having, he was married, and he was having affairs with multiple women, uh, multiple women. And they didn't know each other. They were in different areas, I think pretty much all around Texas. And through Facebook, they were able to find each other. And the way they did it was they were posting pictures of themselves and him, you know, on a trip or, you know, when he would come visit them for the weekend. And friends of friends of friends kind of started figuring it out and put two and two together and said, hey, I think this is the guy that my friend's dating. And then the web opened up. There were Facebook groups of women, men, determined to try to find out more information to help these women. Two of them ended up having been proposed to by him as well as help his wife. Um, so even he didn't necessarily do anything other than like on his social media, other than allowing himself to be photographed to a third party who put it on social media. And then he was also sharing in his uniform, um, having video chats with these women. So as part of that, and then he also sent a screenshot of what was very, any attorney would have looked at it and said, this is doctored. It was a handwritten annulment from with a caption that wasn't even any type of caption, but he was passing that off as, oh, my first marriage was annulled. So I'm not actually married. Um, and basically because these people came together on social media and, and started calling him out and finding more people, not only does his wife have a protective order, and I'm assuming a fault-based divorce, but uh, he lost his job as a result of that. And I can't imagine he's going to have an easy time getting another job. So yeah. I think that is kind of the cautionary tale anyone can walk away from. Even if you're pretty locked down on your social media, if you're allowing someone to take your picture or, you know, it's, it's so much harder to hide those things nowadays with social media. Oh, it is. It's, I, you know, it's fortuitous. I always love that word because last night I was driving um, from another city late last night. And I liked listening to this show called Forensic Files. And they were talking about a murder. And this guy was essentially linked to the murder through social media and photos with the murder victim and that's how they did it and so it does span it's not just isolated to family law it's everything it's civil it's criminal it's all across the board and it's photos digital trails i mean it could be snapchat i can tell you i've got all kinds of videos that are or photos that were taken or received in snapchat um you know we often are lured into this i don't know excitement or um euphoria by engaging in social media because it's a new level of interpersonal connection but we're not thinking about the results of it's a forever thing you know we try to teach younger kids and teenagers that what you put on social media is forever it lists somewhere out there 
in this web. So it's it's across all aspects of life, isn't it? Well, right. And that was, you know, I think Netflix has found a really nice little niche on uh, those types of criminal. And, you know, I listen to those podcasts too, um, where essentially, as I said, even with the Jason Collier, Facebook created groups just to suss him out, get the information in one place. So all of these women could use this information. There's, you know, Hotel Cecil is a documentary they just had on. And even though that case is years old, it has now spawned additional people to try to help solve that murder mystery, well, you know, murder, accidental drowning, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, Don't F with Cats is another Netflix documentary that they were able as a community on Facebook and, and other social media to find a murderer. They were successful. It's a fascinating documentary, but um, yeah. So in criminal, I think is where a lot of people think about it. You know, another, um, my mother is a teacher and a, an administrator in her school district was um, found to be chatting on Snapchat inappropriately with kids and didn't know that I didn't know this either until then, but you can actually, if you're Snapchatting with someone, take a picture of what they're doing right then in that second. Um, yeah. And I didn't know that and, until this all happened. And so that's how he was caught inappropriately texting. So criminal, I think everyone kind of understands that. But, you know, civil, you were saying you you file, you have disability or workers comp, and then they find you on a boat, you know, <laughs> water skiing. Well, maybe you don't have workers comp. Um, it's all across the board. And, and obviously in our world, we use it for family law, but I think it's just dangerous and it, and it changes so quickly. I mean, I go on Facebook before I do consults because I, in our sheet, we have, do you have an account? Does your spouse have an account? I like to look. I want to know what they're doing. I want it to begin to be the beginning of our conversation, which leads into the question. All right, everybody that's listening is thinking, fine, you've convinced me. Now, what do I do? What do I do with my social media? Do I stay on it? Do I use it? What do I do if I'm in the middle of a divorce or a modification or some sort of family law action? So even if you're not in the middle of it, I would recommend pausing Scott and I and locking down your social media. Come back to us. But that's the first thing. And unfortunately, even Facebook changes so frequently that if you don't check every so often, you may be putting way more information out there than you intend on doing. Um, make sure it's locked down. But specifically, mm -hmm. if you know you're going through a family law issue, sweep your Facebook. I can't mm -hmm. tell you, and I'm sure you've had this too, Scott, how many people come out of the woodwork that you didn't realize might be connected to your ex that magically have pictures and are willing to testify or at least willing to send the pictures that make it more difficult. Um, so you may not have your ex or their immediate family or like their best friend, but do you not realize that you have an old coworker of theirs? You know, I think it pays to do a sweep, you know, Facebook, that's the easiest way. Um, and and I, I try to do that every so often, even on myself. Then my rule of thumb, when I have clients, one of the first things I say to them is don't put anything on social media you wouldn't want a judge to see. It is mm -hmm. not your soapbox to talk about, you know, how terrible the other parent is. Um, and, and I think that's common sense, but some people don't realize that, I'll give this example, it happened to me last week. Um, opposing party said, I want to be with my mother. Her mother was dead. Mm -hmm. That is that a suicide attempt or is that just being depressed and wanting understandably to see your mother again? Yeah. So even something like that, and you say, you know, who, who's going to interpret that? So that's not the, call your best friend and talk to your best friend about it. Don't post it on social media. Yeah. Um, 
go back through your old social media. So I am part of the Facebook. So I was on Facebook when you had to have an EDU and it was certain schools that were allowed to be on within the first six months of Facebook. I went back before I started working with Cordell, Mm -hmm. I went back and combed my Facebook and said, okay, what are some of these post 21 year old Ashley made that, you you know, 30 something Ashley probably wouldn't like. So go back through it. Um, Even if it's on lockdown, delete some of those inappropriate, I mean, we're all, we all do dumb things. We all make mistakes, but go through it, delete some of those inappropriate posts, Um, especially with the kind of political things that have been going on in recent years, what you may have said a couple years ago, you may not want a judge to see. Um, Yeah, I I think it is. It's so true because you you don't, I mean, you've been on it so long, many people have, and they just forgot what they've done. You know, you got to be careful about, you know, deleting an account. You don't want to be guilty of perhaps spoilation, they call it of evidence, but it is just be aware of it. And, And I always recommend Stop using it. There's no point in, in, in engaging in it. Get your friends to stop posting pictures on your page or tagging you. You know, it's just there's no good thing really that comes about. I mean, even if it's a self-serving photo, we can use it in, in another matter. Just get off of social media for the for the time being. You know, especially if you're just before the beginning, in the middle of it, at the tail end of it. It may be you know there there's blood in the water and you see something happening. So. I mean, I guess that brings us to the idea that now we know, look, here's what we shouldn't do. How can we use it? Let's say we don't engage in social media, but we know our spouse does. We know that there are things out there. Uh, there are, you know, Missouri is one of them. We can, it's a no-fault state, but we can use misconduct to uh, for custody. We can use misconduct for attorney's fees. Uh, we can use misconduct to skew the distribution of property in our favor more than 50 50 um so i guess they're asking what is it that i can use social media for i guess the same things against my spouse right right so what i usually say is as soon as you have any idea things are going south even if you're not quite ready to move forward with a divorce or you haven't been served papers or whatever the case might be do some of these things that i'm telling you to avoid to the other party comb their social take screenshots of questionable things um you know Try to get as much information as you can before you're, you know, you're blocked before it goes south. Um, if there's a third party involved, so in the case, you know, in Pennsylvania, we use a lot of social media when we're dealing with in- infidelity. Or I'm, right now, I'm trying to terminate an alimony award based on cohabitation. Um, I've actually found out more information on the third party than I did, you know, the ex-spouse knew to lock hers down, but the third party didn't necessarily. Um, you know, if if you have family members that are still friends with your spouse, your ex-spouse, you know, and, and you're willing to ask them, start to kind of get those ducks in a row, get the documentation you can. Just keep in mind, if you're using a third party, they're going to have to testify to the validity of the document. You can't just bring in a picture in most cases. Um, so kind of think about that. And, you know, really just try to kind of get a handle on what they're doing, what their history was, um, because the best clients I have come prepared. Here's what I found, can you do with it? Um, and even if you don't have the pictures, at least come with, I looked, this is what I found. Yeah. I mean, forensically, I mean, I've always seen, it's it's not the obvious. You know, sometimes they get a little cute and smart and they create another Facebook account, uh, whatever it may be, you know, uh, cowboy ready to mingle or whatever. 
And you've just got to be careful out there. Ultimately, you're going to be able to find it forensically. We've used computers and we've taken it to someone to look into it and see, you know, keystrokes and we identify it. But it is, as you suggest, sometimes difficult to get the admissibility of some of this information because subpoena is often a difficult thing. Right. So that is one of my least favorite things is when I have a client who tells me, I know this exists. My friend of a friend of a sister found it and they can't testify. They're in Hawaii and they're in the military. And I go, okay, we have to subpoena them. And fortunately, I've had a lot of success with Cordell. If I haven't done it before, there's someone here who has done it. Um, You know, sending out our, our, you know, our firm wide communications to find someone who is especially with social media, because different apps pop up, someone who's done it. But you'd have to subpoena the information. It's effective most of the time, although each of these different companies have different rules, regulations, who you send it to, how you get it. Um, It's costly. So I think that's why the first step is so important, because a lot of times it's just cost benefit. It's not worth it. Um, You know, so that's why I think it's so important as soon as you see it, you screenshot it, you save it. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is ultimately sometimes the goal isn't to get this proof and evidence to use at trial, albeit preparing for trial gets great settlements. And that's the point is get this information. We then eventually at some point we can share it perhaps and say, look, you don't want to go to trial. And that will negotiate or position us for a better, better opportunity to achieve a settlement, right? Right. Yeah. And, and I think I see it. So we call our protective orders PFAs here in Pennsylvania and they come very quickly. You have to have a hearing within 10 days of the temporary. That's not going to be enough time to subpoena anything, but if I've seen it and I have a screenshot and I can share it like, Hey, opposing counsel, I've got this information. If I need to continue this hearing to subpoena it, I will. A lot of times that makes the settlement a whole lot easier. So Yeah. So even if you don't necessarily have it valid, you you don't necessarily have it able to be admitted as an exhibit in a trial, you still want to circle up with your attorney quickly to see what the attorney could possibly do. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff, Ashley. I know that uh, given that everyone seems to use some form, some app, whether it is Snapchat, Signal, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is that the latest, the greatest, WhatsApp, I know there's all this stuff out there. You just have to be careful. Someone's watching. And I've always said good lawyers find bad people, meaning that just bad actions, not necessarily bad people. But we'll find it. If we need to find it, we'll dig. We'll find it. It is costly, but it could produce some good positioning. So thanks for joining and bringing this to uh, a guy's attention today. Thanks, Scott. Well, we'll continue to bring this to you twice each week. Information, topics that are very relevant very pertinent and very informative, just like this one today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can be alerted when it's dropped and then check out our virtual town hall once every month. We're just going to spend an hour over around lunch hour with a panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys where we talk about issues just like this, but you get an opportunity to interact. Uh, You can submit a question anonymously and get answers right then and right there. So check out our YouTube channel. It's got filled with information just like this podcast, virtual town halls that we've done over the last 18 to 20 months. And you want to go to the website, cordellcordell.com, or give us a call if you want to schedule a consult. It can be done in person, via phone, or via WebEx, or Zoom just like this. Uh, Give us a call, 866-DADS-LAW. Until next time, have a great week.